No one has ever shown that human emissions of carbon dioxide drive global warming. We have a massive power and it's the power to say no. They, they put all these words on these flies and it means nothing. It's, it, it, a, it's garbage. We're all going to die. <laughs> Doctors are gaslighting patients. You keep silent then this is what's going to happen. And they'll make us silent. I would rather paper cut my eyelids than have any <laughs> We are one people, one flag, one Australia. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Ex Candidates. My name is Stephen Tripp, joined by Adam Zara. How are you going, Adam? I'm pretty good, thanks, Stephen. How are you going, mate? Yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Now, uh, we, we're, we're going very well on Buy Me A Coffee. I, I need to bring this up straight away because we had Alex Zaharoff Royt. Yeah, oh. he jumped on there. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool that he jumped on there and he bought us three coffees this week. So big shout out to Alex. It was a pleasure to have him on the show and uh, he, he really didn't need to donate anything at all because it was uh, our pleasure to have him on and he, and he helped us out by, by coming on the show. But, uh, you know, he's jumped on Buy Me A Coffee and... Uh, and helped us out there. So uh, just wanted to say a big shout out to uh, to Alex. Yeah, so make sure you check out Alex's, uh, check out that interview and um, check out also his um, webpage and things like that. It's actually very um, handy and helpful. There's plenty of content yeah. on there and plenty yeah, of information. Life is the website if anyone wants to check that out. Yeah, so definitely jump on board that and, um, you know, get into the AI movement um, in the good way. <laughs> I'm still skeptical on that. You're still not convinced about AI, are you? I mean, I'm I'm convinced of. I mean, he made some really good points. So I'm convinced of that. In in used in a good way, it's a good thing. I agree with that. Unfortunately, I don't believe people are always good. So what happens is it can be used very badly, very easily, very quickly. So that's my biggest concern about that kind of thing. But um, anyway, we we have to use it and we have to get used to it and probably better to know how to use it to your advantage before it becomes a disadvantage. Yes, well, that's the point that he was making. There's some good people out there and there's some bad people out there and uh, they're all developing it at the same time. So hopefully it all balances out like everything in life seems to happen eventually. But uh, we're also streaming on, uh, well, as as normal, uh, YouTube and Rumble, but now X as well. So we're not on Facebook right now because, as, as we said last week, that lost a poll um, that we put up. So X is now the one that we're streaming on. But if... If uh, if you're on X and you're following us there, just give us a bit of feedback and let us know how it's running. I did get a, some feedback last week that it was dropping out and the, it wasn't the best connection. So if uh, if we are having those issues on X, let us know because we can always switch back to Facebook, un- unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we just want to, we just want to make it easy for for you guys to view us and and to um, share your stories with us as well and you know your comments and feedback and things like that always um, help us steer the um, podcast in the in a better direction. Yeah, that's right. All right, so there's been some uh, some news this week. I want to say big news, but didn't really touch the media too much. But uh, I guess it is it big didn't. news. <laughs> it's big news for the minor parties, I suppose. So we thought we'd bring on a very special guest. She was very, very notable. Uh, she's been notable in, in both the UAP and the Libertarian Party. She ran it the uh, in the 2022 federal election in the high-profile seat of Wentworth up against Allegra Spender, and she was also on the uh, upper house ticket for the Libertarian Party uh, in the New South Wales state election. We'll bring her on now. Natalie Dimmer, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm very well. Good to see you guys. Hi, Natalie. <laughs> Great yeah, well, to be here. 
I'm not used to having my accolades sung. It's usually Allegra Spender's accolades are being sung in mainstream media. So (laughs) this is quite interesting to hear. Well, I mean, what, is, what has she done? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, look, at the moment, uh, not a great deal, not a great deal. We have ha- we have had a meeting. It didn't end very well. Um, I think P- Dr. Paul Oosterhouse and myself did go and uh, meet up with Allegra Spender and present her with a few little tidbits of information like Western Australia health data, um, excess data of 2022, uh, Jab Injuries Australia booklets, and um, we basically got asked, well, what would you like me to do? Well, so that was her um, her recall. I mean, we'd like her to speak out. We'd like her simply to uh, I acknowledge this, that that's all it would be. I mean, we're not asking her to fix the problem. We're not asking any MP in what by themselves to turn around and fix the problem, although there is one MP out there who could, probably Malcolm Roberts, but um, at the moment. But um, what we're trying to ask is acknowledge that there is this data out there. It wasn't safe and effective. And... Let's let's have a debate about it. Why are we voting against um, against having royal commissions on this? Uh, and, well, that's, and that's, all that's that's right. But at least we've acknowledged. Okay, so Ralph Babbitt did do a great job. We have now voted thirty-one to thirty that we do have a problem with excess da- death data. So hallelujah and thank heavens for that. Um, but you just as a little tidbit, yes, they did. Got it voted down. Sorry, voted down first time which makes no sense to me at all because it's something that's so simple it should be not de- – I don't even understand why there's debate about it. Like even when I sit in council meetings and stuff like that, there's things that they debate about that there shouldn't be debate about because it's like, oh, you know, do, should, we sing the national, should we sing the national anthem um, before general meeting? Well, there's no need to debate. It really should be yes. And um, same, thing with, um, same thing with what um, Senator Babbitt did was really it should be, hey, we know that there's a bit of issue. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a senator. I've done the research. I can see that there's an issue with um, the data for excess deaths and stuff like that. Why are 17 to 22% of extra people dying for no real reason? Um, That's right. And, then, and it should be let's get to the bottom of this. And everyone should have just put their hand up and gone, yes, but. But, but what they've done as well is 2022 data had the 17 to 22%, but then ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics, have changed their criteria. So now we have a lower, still excess death data, but a much lower amount of excess death data. But, um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see that they're trying to really mask what's going on. Isn't that, aren't they trying to take the previous year's data and then compare it to this year? So, you know, we we saw a, a, a rapid increase last year, but if you compare it to this year, I mean, it's it's a similar level, or maybe a, a, a little bit of a drop this this time around. And they're saying, oh, well, excess deaths are now coming down, but they're still yeah, it's relative. Very high. It's relative. Yeah, it's relative to what you're looking at. So it, I don't exactly know. It's very very difficult to tell what kind of um, algorithm or what kind of equations they're using. Um, there is a book out there, so for anyone who's interested, it, um, it's a done by AMPS and that talks about the excess death data and it's quite a good book and it does describe um, exactly that. But it's it, honestly, the maths uh, is far beyond me. I did four-unit maths at school but that was a long time ago so I don't really understand how it is that they calculate these death datas. But it's obviously being um, kind of swept under the carpet which is not really ideal. So I want to uh, I want to go back to the 2022 election. Now the UAP ran all around the country in all all the 151 seats. You had, in my opinion, excellent candidates. 
uh, and, and excellent volunteers and, and members as well, really, really good people that I got on very well with. A lot of them are my friends now and the ones that were in my area. Uh, what disappointed me coming out of that election was that the party didn't really seem to keep things going. There was no branches set up. There was no real engagement with the members or even the candidates. A lot of, a lot of the candidates I spoke to were kind of wandering around going, well, we don't really know what's happening. We know UAP didn't run in the New South Wales state election. And now Craig Kelly has jumped across to One Nation this week. Where does that leave the United Australia Party? We have Senator Ralph Babbitt in uh, in the Senate, but uh, there doesn't seem to be anything else happening at the moment. Well, no, it's very hard for it to happen. I think um, what happened was post-federal election, the UAP was deregistered. So unfortunately, and they didn't register in time for the New South Wales election, which was also very disappointing, which is why I ran in the Senate for the Liberal Democrats at the time, now Libertarians. Um, Unfortunately, again, what has happened is there is a code or some sort of a rule in the electoral code where you cannot re-register a party under the same name. So there's no point changing the name and re-registering under something else and running totally different party. It's just crazy. I mean, if you remember, Craig Kelly did run with a bunch of independents, um, very great candidates as well in the New South Wales election, but it's very difficult to run as independents and be successful. So where does it leave him? I mean, he had to go to a different party because he's not getting any younger and he definitely belongs either in the Senate or in the lower house, but in Parliament, um, I find him to be one of the few that spoke out right from the very beginning of COVID. He stood by his principles. There's a lot of people that didn't. He did. He got attacked widely. Um, and he does belong in the parliament. We've heard this but, rumour about the UAP not being able to run at the next federal election. So you're saying that it's it's definitely true. Well, it is. But there is some sort of a code that nobody knew about. Apparently there is a rule somewhere buried very, very deep in the rule book you know, they're always buried very, very deep, Um, that you just can't re-register under that particular name. So it's a really sad state of events because, yes, there are great candidates and there are great volunteers and a great bunch of people that really believed in the UAP. I mean, I've met some incredible individuals through the UAP who have supported me in so many different ways. I still run the event once a month. um, So even though we didn't do a branch meeting per se, um, I did create events for the eastern suburbs of Sydney so that like-minded people can come together and actually have a home. Um, It's just sad that I don't know, like where to from here? I actually don't know. I don't know because Ralph is doing such a phenomenal job, honestly. I'm so impressed with him. He's really, really gung-ho. Yeah, I've noticed that Ralph started to really, you know, um, pick up momentum now, you know, and because we have to, you know, there's a learning curve at the start of it. We're all, if we, if any of us ever proceeded or anything like that, like there's a learning curve. You, so you have to get used to the rules of the game and then when you start playing the game, Okay, you're going to get knocked down a little bit here and there. But once you start to get the hang of it, you really can make it work for you. And um, Ralph, I've seen myself um, notice Ralph really, really, you know, coming on strong now and, and marching quite proudly. Um, so I, I agree he's doing a great job in um, in the upper house, in the Senate there. And um, hopefully we can get more people like him in. And um, I hope that people can forgive, you know, the first, I reckon, give him six the first six months you know, even a year, like he really just needed to get that, you know, experience under his belt. 
but now you can see that he was actually very, very um, rightly voted in for the reasons well, that you he was hit, You hit the nail on the head, Adam, exactly that. What people forget is Ralph has never been a politician. I mean, Ralph is technically uh, a real estate agent. Like, I am a dentist. I've never been a politician either. I'm sure you guys have had different jobs. What people don't realise is this is all very, very new to us. So we've had a very steep learning curve and he's had a very, very steep learning curve. So to watch him in Parliament now literally demand accountability from the Labor Party, the Greens and the Teals is actually quite um, quite enlightening. I, I, I'm honestly a little bit proud of Ralph. It's a good guy. Yeah, no, it should be. I think all of us, I think all of us on this side of politics should be proud of, of him, you know. Like, I mean, I know I'm proud of, like, somebody like Malcolm Roberts. He's been in there for a long time, but he's, you know, a little man of, of a small stature, you know, but he's there and he's like a lion in that place. Um, just like um, Ralph, so um, it's really good to see. Well, we've got we've got Ralph, we've got Malcolm Roberts, we've got Gerard running who they want to get rid of and is very unlikely to get back in. We've got Alex Antic and um, one more. Who am I missing? I mean, Pauline Hanson. Yes, Matt Canavan. And we need more. We need more. This isn't enough. And, of course, in the state parliament, we've got John Ruddick. So... You know, we need so many more to actually achieve what we want and to turn our country around because our country is basically ruled by bureaucrats. It's not ro- ruled by parliament. What's the incentive no, for, for Ralph Babette to stay with the United Australia Party? He could easily jump across to One Nation as well and then they would have three senators. He could. I, I don't know. I think I think he does have a very, very good relationship with Clive Palmer. And, I mean, Clive Clive did, I've got to say, Clive has funded that Queensland case. So if anybody doesn't know about the Queensland case that did uh, win against the mandates, that was a recent, was it this week, beginning of this yes. week, that we had the good news that the yes. Queenslanders were not allowed to be mandated, not the police, not the nurses. And then and they've just recently... Yes, exactly. And they've just had um, they've had a protest. The nurses have just had a protest and the health minister didn't even bother to turn up. I mean, this is how much respect these poor women and obviously there's some men as well have from the government. Um, and the, the, the parla- the, this particular health minister is saying, well, they'll have to reapply for their jobs and it'll be looked at as if they're starting from scratch. Well, I'm sorry. It's now been proven it's illegal that you ever sacked them in the first place. So let's see how that pans out. I've got to be honest with you. Just talking about it is start is giving me goosebumps and chills because um, we all knew it. We all knew it from the start. So the people like us knew it from the start that it wasn't right, okay? Because it just sat with us wrong, okay? And now it's been proven that it's illegal. And then that health minister was he on? He was on that uh, one one of the morning shows, wasn't he? Was he? The, is he? Was he the guy on the mor- one of the morning shows recently? I don't. I think it's a new. It's a new one. It's a woman now. I can't remember her name. Oh. I don't. I don't think it's the same person, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the fact of the matter is she was invited. I think it was a woman. uh, They were invited a week ago, whoever it was. Let's call him a he, she. You know, let's be politically correct and use the pronoun. I'm actually being really facetious. But, uh, you know, if you've got someone like that who's actually invited to answer to these people who have been so hard done by, they've financially been completely some of them annihilated. There was a lady there that was talking about um, she was an ICU nurse, she was living in her caravan because they had absolutely no money. I mean, the stress of that alone, um, to lose your job like that, this minister had, should have been there. These 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 poor, like, nurses, doctors, and really, to be honest with you, anyone who's, 
lost their job over this, you know, because people say, oh, you know, you were you were sacked for misconduct, okay? It was misconduct because, you know, and, and I know nurse, my wife is a nurse, so I I know what the process was and how they kind of did it all, okay? Um, it, it's, deemed, it's been deemed illegal. These people should be re-employed. And to be mm-hmm. honest with you, I know it'll come out of the taxpayer. I know it's going to come out of the taxpayers' coffers. Compensation. Instead of instead of sending some of that money overseas to the Ukraine and to all these different, you know, silly things that they're doing, right? That's they, these people, right, should be reinstated to where at minimum where they were, okay, and have all that back pay uh, put to them, okay. And I, I've said 100%. it to my wife. That's that's the way. That's why. Okay, it should be the health ministers and the and the politicians. Okay, we've made a mistake. Okay, we 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 completely apologised for you know, and this will never happen. But we apologise for what's happened and what we've done. We didn't weigh up the pros and cons, and you know, and analyse you know the um, human rights side of things. We've just followed the that's narrative. Right. You, you're reemployed. Here's all your money. Get back to it. And let's go. And it, and and then and then what happens is, and it's only for states at the moment with that Human Rights Act, which is um, Queensland, Victoria, and the ACT. So that means That's New it. South Wales, South Australia, Western Australia, Northern Territory. They're still out in the dark. But how can you have it as one one state can turn around and go, it's illegal, and then all the other ones, all the other countries, other states, sorry, have the mandate. New South in. Wales, New South Wales dropped their mandates already. They had a drop, but they're still struggling to get work because they're still being forced um, to vaccinate. Now, with this misconduct thing, I mean, define misconduct and you've just defined the the entire Australian government. I mean, isn't that what they've been doing the entire time? I mean, they've, they're the biggest perpetrators of misconduct known to mankind and it doesn't matter whether it's federal, state or local. Well, well we need to remember, and we spoke to Dr William Bay about this, that APRA is a creation of the Queensland government and then all the other states adopt that legislation or if it's been deemed by a queensland supreme court that vaccine mandates are unlawful then shouldn't apra take that on board and then adopt it well interesting you should mention that because the apra mission statement which was sent to every doctor including me um, and all the allied health professionals in march 2021 stating if we ever spoke out against this particular vaccine we could be disciplined suspended whatever uh they've actually changed it in their code of ethics um on the like especially on my dental board site so the code of ethics has changed um yeah so funny that um, and they're interesting. They're also starting to ask the practitioners, uh, what do you think of us? Like they're actually asking. They've got um, these polls with questions and they're meant to be anonymous, but they're coming from my email, so they're not anonymous. Um, I did I did say, look, you've had 16 people that committed suicide because of you, so I would call you murderers in a nutshell. Oh, wow. Good. Wow. So they well, would have read it. People are so meant. That, that is a lot. That is a lot of people that they have attacked, and and that's just the people that have committed suicide. They've attacked a lot of people. Uh, They've deregistered people. They've suspended people. Um, I was attacked not even by APRA. I was attacked by the Australian Dental Association, who's my union, who I pay money to protect me, not attack me. So that was an interesting one. And I've got to say, Craig, Craig protected me. This was amazing because I was like a deer in headlights. At the time, I had no idea what to do, and they asked me – they gave me seven days to answer to them why I joined the United Australia Party, which is an anti-vax party and goes against a dental code of ethics. 
would you believe? To which I thought, I feel like I'm living in the old USSR, where I'm from. Yeah. Anyway, so Craig. Dental, dental, like dentistry doesn't have vaccines anyway. Really, do they? Uh, you can't vaccinate against a cavity, can you? Well, no, but the practitioners, you see, are supposed to be up to date with their vaccination. It's recommended. It's recommended. But at the time, um, actually, no, even at that time, were we mandated? I think we were. We were mandated and I had an exemption. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's just fascinating to watch this all unfold. And then, you know, you're watching the 99 million study come out of the CDC, which is another thing that's come out. Um, I don't know if you guys saw where it says, oh, you know, it's a slight increase in myocarditis and pericarditis, only slight, you know, 3.7, you know, times. How is that slight? That's 370% increase. That is not slight. No, that's a massive increase. And it's yeah. funny that you were talking about you were funny talking about the you know the mandates they be, they roll back the mandates in um, mm-hmm. New South Wales right so that means if you're not if you're not vaccinated you should still be you should be able to reapply for your old job right well so Perite per- per- rolled them back Perite got rid of the mandates but they're still using it and well, it's, it's interesting. Sorry, they did so, it. They've you, done it on purpose. So the hospital system is still saying that there is a mandate, although. When my mother was in hospital, I spoke to a nurse in St. Vincent's private and she informed me that they are no longer forced to do boosters. So thank heaven for small favours. But they work. You've got to be three in, though. She's had three and it was interesting to listen to this particular lady because I said, look, my mother was Moderna injured. Um, Do not touch my mother with any boosters. If I find out you touch her with any needle, I'll go after you. Uh, And she said, oh, no, we don't do that anymore. So that was also interesting to hear. Yeah, Natalie, um, I want to go back to uh, Craig Kelly because we have a comment here from Graham. Hello, Graham, for for listening again. Graham always has really great comments and contributes to the show, and he's very rarely confused, but this time he is confused. He says, uh, I am confused. What is the point of a party that if it has been deregistered? So I guess what we're saying is that there is no point to the UAP anymore. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, at the moment... There isn't. So, I mean, Craig needs to still have a career, so he had to go somewhere and this is the problem. Will he take the UAP members with him? Will they go to One Nation or will they go to the Libertarian parties? Because at the moment, other than Ralph Babbitt, there's not really anyone to support and there's no potential of having anybody anybody in the near future in Parliament. So, yeah, look, I'm just... Yeah, that's really interesting because I was speaking to another UAP candidate the other day and uh, we are talking about this. He didn't believe me. I, I heard about Craig Kelly jumping to One Nation last week, so I knew about it ahead of time and I was talking to him. He said, it's not going to happen. He said, and then I asked him, well, if it, if it does happen, are you going to jump to One Nation? He said, no. <laughs> so where does it leave some UAP people? Some Some of them might be happy coming across to One Nation, but others might not Look. be as comfortable. There was a when the New South Wales election occurred. There was quite a few candidates that went over to the Libertarians, so um, they are now part of the Libertarian Party. There will be a split where people will probably go Libertarian, One Nation. At the end of the day, I think with the minor parties, we all have to be quite supportive of one another. I mean, that's the most important thing: is we're all fighting the same battle. We might have different opinions as to policies, but the battle is the same. Well, did you notice the media last night at the Dunkley by-election? I was watching the ABC coverage and they were running with the line, oh, well, 
the Liberal Party's had a swing towards them, and that's because the UAP and One Nation not running. So they're trying to yeah. paint the picture that oh, because there was no UAP or, and One Nation, then all those votes are going to go back to the Liberal Party. They failed to neglect that there was a Libertarian candidate running. So why wouldn't those those votes go to the Libertarian? But you're assuming the ABC has some sort of semblance of truthful reporting. So, I mean, that doesn't usually happen. Oops, did I say that <laughs> on, on, on a live feed? Um, look, it, you cannot listen to anything the ABC says. Um, it, interestingly, I do have something funny to say. My daughter did, well, is still doing this particular degree in University of Technology, Sydney, and it's called Creative Intelligence and Innovations. And they, it's meant to be like a critical thinking degree, but it's actually an indoctrination degree. Um, and one of the questions they had is, you know, how do we create a universal news? To which my daughter, thank God, because she's my daughter, said, well, why would we want universal news? What if it's wrong? And some kid turned around and said, well, no, we'll be listening to the ABC because we know it's right because it's owned by the government. <laughs> and I've got to say that has got to be like the comment of the year by a naive, probably 18, 19 year old. Anyway, it was just a funny tidbit of information. <laughs> what did your daughter say to that? What did because obviously, you know, being your daughter, what did she say? Did she My daughter doesn't know the existence of the ABC. I don't even think she knows what that is because it's never on. We we don't have mainstream in the house. So it's like I don't even think she knew that the ABC was owned by the government. Like she's completely oblivious. She's a very creative, artsy-fartsy person. So didn't even reply to that. But she had the sense to say universal news should not be universal. So kudos to her for that. While we're on the topic of of your daughter and the, and the university, so something that you told me when I spoke to you the other the other night, uh, where you're going to have to explain this to me because I'm still trying to work this out. Where are you known from? What, is, what oh, does that yes. Mean? Oh, yes. Okay, so that was the other question from the same course. So she received, prior to starting the second lot of her two weeks of this particular course, she received, you know, what are your pronouns, which is, you know, a standard question in the universities this, these days. And the sec- second question was exactly that. Where do you know from? That was the question. So we had to Google, because not Google, but, you know, duck, duck, go, brave, whatever. Um, and we found that it was created by someone who was a little bit of a man-hater um, because to ask where do you come from is racist. I'll just leave you with that to think about because I can't get my head around the fact that we've just bastardised the English language and created some sentence that makes absolutely zero sense, which it just does not make sense. We've stuck a no. I just love Alan's face. It looks like his brain is just like, you know, when computers like shut down and have to restart. (laughs) So I'm kind of like, is it where do you N-O or where do you K-N-O-W from? K-N-O-W. Where do you know from? Where do you know from? Because you it's can't say where like, you come from. It's, it's absolutely, like, it's like literally your brain just goes, I'm malfunctioning because I went to Sydney Girls High and we were taught grammar and we were taught how to read and write and we were taught how to do, you know, how to write essays without grammatical errors and that is just a doozy. Imagine someone comes from an overseas country who is learning English and they see, you know, they've got all these rules and they first of all, they see like a person and the pronoun is they. 
So they're really confused. And then they read this question, where do you know from? Yeah. Yeah, that blows my mind and I'm, you know, pretty. I mean, we're we're, we're focused on that. I want to go back to, I want to go back to uh, where do you come from? How is that racist? Uh, See, to me, I don't really understand where do you come from is racist because you can choose to answer that question or not answer that question. I would never take offence to someone asking me where do you come from or where are you from or whatever it happens to be. I mean, you know, we're living in a world where somebody else's emotional insecurities have to be, you know, acknowledged by us. But I don't know what their emotional insecurities are. How am I supposed to know that I'm offending them? That's right. This is the, this is the problem with that kind of information, with the, you know, where, where, you know, where you get that um, the misinformation, disinformation bill and things like that, you know, where how, how, how does one know that you're, that you're being offensive? Because it's so, um, what do you call it? There's, a, there's it's every, it's a different standard. There's no rule to it as such. If you went up to somebody and punched them in the face, okay, that's offensive and abusive. Okay, we know that. Like that's, that's a right. Contact. It's a physical violence. They didn't ask you to do it. Even if they asked you to do it, it's still a, it's still like a, a violence, right? Okay, but if by saying, and I always use this example because I can't think of anything better. The sky is blue, and they think it's purple, and then they get offended by it. What you get in trouble for that? Well, that's that's the same thing as if if you want to call yourself a they and you want to be a plural, great. How about we charge you double the tax? <laughs> yeah, because it's stupid. I always say when so I'm a they and then where's your friend? <laughs> or, you know, if if I just pretend to be a they, I'll ask for double the wage. Or, you know, you can milk it to your advantage if you really want to. Yeah. But at the end of the day, where did this rubbish come from? I, I see people with the pronoun she, they. How does that make any sense? You're Singular one and then plural the other. Someone, someone's going to have to explain that to me. Because and how can you call somebody a cis woman? I take great offence to that. I'm not a cis woman. I'm a woman. One time, if one person calls me a cis woman, then I will punch them. And I keep saying I've said this before because that that whole cis thing was, you know, that was probably right back in the in the heat of our campaigns, right? Um, that's when that was getting like a lot of traction. And I said, why is it that person who's born a woman or born a male calls themselves a male, they have the right, they've earned their right of being born that way to be called a male or a female or a woman or a man, why must they wear a label? If you're if you're born a male and turn into a female, then you should be called a trans woman because that's, that's right. you're, you're changing what you were born from. So you're, you know, and, and it's not to offend that person, but you're then you know if they want to categorize everything, well, don't categorize people who are, um, you know, living their natural given life. That we should be labeling the ones who are changing what they were born as, and that they should be categorized into what they are. Well, that's right. I mean, it's the same thing as when you've got these children who are now identifying as cats in inside classrooms, and they're providing them with kitty litter. Look, I'm sorry if my child came home and said I identify as a cat. Sure, identify as a cat. I'll feed you cat food. You'll sleep on the floor. I'll give you a scratching board, and you can pee and poo inside the kitty litter. And let's see how long that lasts for. Yep, that's right. Can't have it halfway. No, that's the problem. You can't, you can't, you, no one, no one dies by the sword. You know, they say all these stupid things and they, they protect, proclaim these stupid things, you know, and then they won't do it. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, that's, it blows my mind as well. That, like, that's, yeah. that's, that, that, gets, that gets shut down in my house. 
And someone just wrote about chest feeder. Yes, I totally agree. There was um, there was somebody that posted, was it the CDC that posted that the uh, milk from a male is just as nutritious as a female? Well, that to me is child abuse. I'm sorry. That is complete and utter bollocks. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that's crazy. So they're actually giving, they're now actually chemically inducing lactation from men. That's right. That is exactly right. So that's exactly what they're doing, which is to me child abuse because there is no nutrition in that at all. And uh, I, you know, when you're speechless, I think I've been speechless for four years, hard to believe because I speak a lot. But at the end of the day, this is just from a scientific perspective, you've got men breastfeeding, you've got women trying to be men, even though their XX chromosomes are impossible to change for now. And you've got men who are XY chromosomes are trying to have XX chromosomes. Again, impossible. The only thing you can change with your genes is through these gene-based, you know, vaccines or countermeasures. This is where they confuse us because they say a man can breastfeed and we instantly say, well, I'm a man. There's no way that I can breastfeed. But what they're really saying potentially is that a woman, a biological woman that now identifies as a man can breastfeed. That's right. Correct. So Correct. And they're saying men can actually give birth. So there is a, I believe there was a midwifery course, I can't remember the university, I wish I could, which was actually teaching the midwives that men can give birth, to which I think, oh, my God, seriously, I, I just can't anymore. Like, can I've, you imagine? I've, I want to see it. If I see it, I might believe it, but. Are you finding any of it in dentistry? I, I, I guess is, is there a big difference between male and female teeth? Like, do, do, do you have to when someone comes into the dentistry, do they have to let you know, oh, "Hey, I'm a man, I'm a female," and does that make a big difference to what you do? No, look, no, um, maybe. Like, if you're trying to create these fillings or edges of people's teeth. Square is a little bit more masculine, rounded edges are a bit more feminine. But, you know, you get these kids coming in where I'm genuinely confused. I don't know whether to call them a he or a she or who are they. Um, it's And they're like 12, 13. So it, it's starting very, very young, but it, it just becomes a real conundrum because you're trying to not offend, but at the same time you'd wish the parents would sit you down and say, okay, so-and-so identifies as a male, female, whatever. Um, but there's no difference between female and male teeth. They're ex- exactly the same. Um, female and male jaw, jaws are probably a little bit different in that the males are, on the most part, a little bit larger, but you do have some that are very small too. Um, yeah, dentistry is a little bit different, although I've got to say I have had a very good lesson in fluoride in the last four years. Which how, it's, I didn't how, it's pretty- bad, how it's bad for you and bad for your teeth and stains your teeth? It can create what's called um, hyperfluorotic teeth where you do have white lesions on them. And what I learned is that fluoride was a toxin that was produced by industry back in the 30s. And what they wanted to do was figure out how to get rid of this particular toxin. So a lovely gentleman um, scientist decided to go and find a way because he was commissioned to do so because all these cows and this grass was dying around the areas of this industry. And he found a town in Texas that happened to have um, natural fluoride in the water and all the people had good teeth. So he just deduced automatically, well, fluoride must mean good, good teeth. But the funny thing is, you know, decades later, that town had rotten teeth because the diet changed. So it was all about the diet and had nothing to do with the fluoride. So I don't know. It is toxic. 
isn't there a difference between the fluoride that dentists use and the fluoride that they put into water? Um, sodium fluoride. Yeah, look, yes, but fluoride is fluoride and it's like a, it's, you're literally putting fluoride on top of fluoride on top of fluoride. So fluoride in the water is very, very small. Yes. But if it's an accumulation process whereby you've got fluoride in the toothpaste, fluoride in your mouth rinse, fluoride at the dentist, fluoride in all your canned food, because that's what you've got. It is an accumulation. And when they did do studies back in the thirties, they knew it was poisonous just so you know. Well, so they were trying to get fluoride it, out of the water. I heard and it was the Nazis that first used fluoride in the, in the concentration camps because they found that it, it made the, uh, the Jews docile. So, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's. I didn't hear that. I'll research that some more. That, that's, that's an yeah. interesting one. It's yeah, also the it ingredient in Prozac. Yes, um, that was another thing I learned. It's in 20% of the pharmaceuticals they put fluoride and there is no reason for it to be there. It's a um, but that, that's, yeah, it's a neurotoxin and it is one step down from arsenic. So we, there you go. We, we pretty much do, in our house, we, we went through and, well, I went through and we don't, we pretty much now um, consume as little as fluoride as possible. So unless there's fluoride in like, you know, the water that Coca-Cola might have or if there's fluoride in something like that that you buy as a, a product, but we don't Adam, drink, what are you um, drink. What are you doing drinking Coca-Cola anyway? You've just said the cardinal sin word to a dentist. Yeah, but <laughs> I've got to tell you something. I've never, I never had a cavity in my life until I had my motorcycle accident and smashed my face. So, oh, God. Right? But anyway, um, what I was going to say was um, we don't consume – as we consume as little amount of fluoride as possible in my house. So I have fluoride-free toothpaste. I use um, – I don't, I don't, I've got to be honest with you, I don't even use mouthwashes or anything like that anymore because salt water does the job. And then I um, use um, – we only use fluoride-free um, bottled water in the house, which is Alka-Power or something like that, where there's no fluoride in it at all. So then you got to um, worry about the BPA, Adam. But we've got a comment here from MVP Slim. It's just in soil quality water filtration systems. Exactly. A lot of them don't. Reverse osmosis. Reverse osmosis. You can get reverse osmosis out for under your sink for drinking water, or you can even get it for your entire house, and that takes the fluoride out. Got a actually got a comment here on the on Rumble. I can't post it to the screen, but it's from Peachy. Uh, and this comment says, this was on a union-heavy page, so it must be a union website or something. You can sway a 1,000 men by appealing to their prejudices quicker than you can convince one by logic. And that was said by Robert A. Alien? Alien? I can't, I can't put that on the screen. But uh, just, you know, appeal to people's prejudices and you can sway them that way. It's a pretty sad, sorry state, isn't it? Oh, it is a very sad, sorry state. It's like trying to convince people of what's happened in the last four years is very, very difficult, although you do feel a little bit of a shift. Things are happening, I have to yeah. say. Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking sorry, of... Um, got another comment real quick. Um, this is from um, Cafe. Cafe. Um, I really believe fluoride is an attempt to spiritually suppress the citizens of the world. It calcifies the penal gland, which produces N... N-DMT, the spirit molecule, which has the potential to awaken. So 
you know, that's on the spiritual I've side. I've heard that things, before. Heard that, yeah, that, I've heard that. that, 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 that it's the pineal gland. Yeah, calcifies the pineal gland. Um, I have heard that before. Look, I haven't seen a study to show that, so I don't know. I'm all about let's let's have a look. Sure, I, I don't discount anything in this world anymore. No way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, truth is stranger than fiction. We're living yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've just put the link in the chat if anyone wants to call in and and uh, ask Natalie a question or make a comment. Uh, but I want to shift now, sp- now. Just to finish up on you being a dentist, I want to shift to uh, the Australians for Science and Freedom, and you're going to be speaking on uh, the first of April at one of their upcoming events. You want to just tell us about what you've got in store there. Well, I was asked to speak about dentistry, where to from here. So basically a little bit about um, what's going on, about things like I'm going to be speaking about the fluoride, about the local anaesthetics, because the biggest question I've got at the moment is about the nanoparticles inside the um, dental anaesthetics. Um, I do want to speak about how the practitioners themselves have been abused, just like the doctors have and we need to create some sort of support groups or even an alternative system outside of APRA. So it needs to be a solution-based talk. I'm still working on it because it is on the 1st of April and we've been doing, well, yeah, I've had a lot of things to do with my mother who's been in hospital in and out for the last four weeks. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be more uh, solution-based rather than problem-based. And I think that's what um, ASF is doing. It's um, going to be a solution-based day and how did you get involved with the ASF? I got introduced to Gigi through Australian Medical Network, um, the head of the Australian Medical Network, and um, just hit it off and then ended up going to um, a couple of dinners with her and then went to her event last, I believe it was in October or November. She had a conference, which was phenomenally good. I thought it was great. Um, so yeah, she was talking about, well, we need a dentist speaking at this particular event. And I said, I'm a dentist. Sure. I'll do it. <laughs> awesome. Well, you can, you can join the, uh, the ASF and become a member. I encourage everyone to do that because I also went to that uh, inaugural conference and it was fantastic. And I met so many great people there as well. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to make this upcoming one because my wife is due, uh, <laughs> with our second child, very, very Congratulations. Yeah, so it might not be good for me to <laughs> to book in an event like that at that time, but uh, I'm, I definitely will head to events in the future because they're doing really great work and they've got some really great people on their team. And we need people like that to stand up and, and push back and uh, come out with a, I don't, I don't want to say alternative narrative, but just get out their truth, I suppose, and what their, what their research is showing and well they're creating um they're creating an alternative university in europe so they bought a castle and they're going to have an alternative education facility for 18 to 35 year olds which i think is an amazing thing so just teaching people how to think critically rather than being told you know taught what to think we need to start teaching our youth how to think not what to think but why in europe why not here um Perhaps here the education, the rules are not, I don't know, maybe it's something to do with the rules. I'm not sure. But they, I think it's in Belgium, I believe. Oh, okay. Maybe there's, starting no, in Belgium. there's no castles in Australia. <laughs> no, no. We've got shacks. We're a very lockdown society. Like we're we very, are. Like, you know, like, I mean, 
you know, after all, the like Australia's never been through wars on its own soil, really, apart from maybe the Eureka Stockade, if you consider that a war, right? But apart from that, um, what happens is you, you know, like we're very controlled and we have been forever. So what happens is, whereas, you know, Belgium, they've all had wars, they've all fought, they've all got, you know, look who was pro, who was all marching in the streets, who was all protesting during COVID and all this stuff. It wasn't, it was the Euro- European-based people were the biggest number of well look at the look at the farmers protests at the moment what's going on in europe versus what happened in australia i mean we're not honestly i don't think we're hurting enough that's first of all and second of all we're not used to fighting back with our government because we we were told our government has our best interests at heart so unfortunately we're not used to fighting whereas the french farmers wow manure all over the parliament buildings um they rolled a whole bunch of manure into mcdonald's and i thought wow that's that's some real, you know, courage there. I don't know if I'd be able to do something like that, but good on them for, for doing it. That's right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, through through my conversation through the week with you, uh, you also brought up something that just uh, was new information to me and I found it really interesting. And you're speaking about the uh, COVID jabs and the COVID vaccinations, specifically the Moderna and the Pfizer and I always just thought they were single vials and, you know, uh, and uh, we know that there's websites out there like, you know, how bad is my batch and, you know, mm-hmm. there's certain batches that are worse than others. But you're actually explaining what the batches were and that they're actually multi-dose batches. Is that right? Do you want to explain? That what? is correct. I've heard of it. So multi-dose batches um, are becoming more and more common because from an economical perspective, they are a lot easier and a lot cheaper to produce. So Moderna is a 10-dose vial and I believe Pfizer is a six-dose vial. So the way it works is there is a powder and a saline and it gets mixed together. And what they say to you is, A, it needs to be in freezing temperatures, so any temperature deviation of transport can actually break apart the lipid nanoparticle and the mRNA within it. That's number one. Number two, you cannot shake the the actual vial because if you shake the vial again, the mRNA um, comes out of the lipid nanoparticle. Uh, and what happens is because it's a multi-dose vial, say the doctor or the nurse will mix it initially and they'll do the, you know, put put it upside down a couple of times, then they'll put it on the table next to them. So they've given the first shot, which will be a mixed shot, and then what happens to lipids? Lipids float, don't they? So all the lipid nanoparticle comes to the top of the vial. And then if they don't keep turning it throughout between every single patient, it's a mixed bag as to what the person's going to get. So if they stick their um, the aspirator down at the bottom, they'll get a saline. If they stick it at the top, they'll get more of the lipid nanoparticles, which is probably why it explains that some people had adverse events with the same batches and other people didn't, um, plus a genetic predisposition predisposition, excuse me. Um, there's there's so many different things. But the multi-dose vial is also in childhood vaccines. Um, they've got that as well in a lot of those. Uh, and plus they've started combining multiple vaccines into one without any studies as to how they interact with one another. So you're hoping that you're digging from the bottom. You're hoping that the, that's a brand new – you're hoping that you're like the third shot in where they're not mixing it and then everything's floating yes. From the bottom. What you're hoping is either you had heat, which denatured the product, that whoever the doctor or the nurse was shook the bejesus out of it, which broke all the lipid nanoparticles apart, um, or that it's been taken from the bottom. Yeah, it is. It's it's so 
technique sensitive and ridiculous. They should have had a one-shot vial, but they just save money. And too bad if you were the poor, poor person who received the sixth or the tenth shot because you've got all the good gear in it. If they've looked after it to a certain point and everything's floated to the top, you're getting all the... You're, That's right. That probably explains the people who just, you know, get the shot and then just keel over because they're getting the whole not, dose. Not to mention the manufacturing process and the fact that Kevin McKernan has now discovered DNA contaminations in there with plasmids and little pieces of DNA inside the lipid nanoparticles as well. I mean, that's another thing that they found, and that that was the whole census for the GMO case, which um, failed dismally. That was, uh, I think, on Friday. I don't know if you guys knew about the GMO case. Oh, yep, so so that that didn't get, that that wasn't heard? It was heard. uh, Moderna and Pfizer put a motion to dismiss because the case was based on Dr. Julian Fidge, who said he was an aggrieved person because he had no idea that there was genetic material in this particular um, shot, and he gave it to his family, which would be quite disturbing for a doctor because he did it himself, I I believe. Um, So the case was brought forward, and it was run by Julian Gillespie, Katie, Ashby, Copens, and Peter Pham, um, saying that this is now a GMO, and it was never tested as a genetically modified organism, which it should have been tested by the Australian government Um, and there is actually a video in the Senate hearings it was either Senate estimates or a Senate hearing where the head of the the actual GMO um, I can't remember her name the head of said that she literally admitted that it is a genetically modified organism but she didn't have to test it because it was tested overseas which is just a load of rubbish I think she copped a whole heap of um, questioning from definitely, I think, Senator Malcolm Roberts in that one. I think I've seen that she one. She did. She did. Yeah. But, yeah, so Moderna, finishing off, I didn't finish my statement, um, Moderna and Pfizer actually lodged to dismiss the entire case and they won, but not only did they win, they were awarded damages from Dr Fidge. So with the Queensland case there was a win and with this particular case there was a loss, which is very, very unfortunate. Do you know if they're going to appeal? I certainly hope so because how do you treat something like this as as a vaccine? I mean, it is a gene, a gene therapy. Let's start with that. And then if you go delving down, you know, listening to people like Sasha Ladipova and Catherine Watt, not only is it uh, a gene therapy, it's called a countermeasure by the Department of Defence in the States and DARPA. So <laughs> if you go really down that pathway, it's it's even worse because the rules and regulations for a countermeasure are completely different to that of a vaccine and a gene therapy. Yeah. Because uh, a countermeasure is a weapon. Let's sorry? A countermeasure is a weapon. That's right. Well, so, so that's the a, way that, they look at it. It's a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> and they've changed the rules. So they changed the laws in early 2000s. Uh, with what, how you define a countermeasure and what the rules are, so you can't really sue. When, when, when we were running in the 2022 federal election, I really thought that it was the pandemic election, but it didn't quite pan out that way. I was really hoping some, for some more accountability, and we seem to have moved on. Everyone's talking about cost of living now and other issues, which are, are still important, but do you think we'll ever get any accountability? Obviously, we're seeing some cases win and some cases lose, and there's some evidence coming out here and there. But when it comes to decisions made by premiers and uh, chief medical officers and you know different governments around the country and around the world as well, it, it seems like a lot of this has just slipped under the radar and, and, and everyone's just moved on with their lives. 
I don't think they have. I think the thing is the people who have been hard done by, which is the people who have fought against this, I don't think we're going to let this one go very easily because if we do, this can happen again and again Mm. and again. And that is the problem. We need to hold people accountable. Do I think it'll happen? I hope so. I I do see um, a trickle of information coming out. I do see the CDC have now, um, I think a day ago, dropped in any, um, you know, they had the five-day rule where you had to sit at home. If you had COVID, they've dropped it completely. They've now said that COVID's like the flu. So everything we've done in the past is a complete load of rubbish. The COVID's just like the flu. So can they tell that to somebody who's had six vaccines so far? Anyway, so it's slowly coming out. I think the torrent will open and people will realise what actually occurred. Accountability-wise, I don't know. I I really, truly hope so because these people need to be held accountable, particularly people like Daniel Andrews who locked down Victoria for, what is it, 275 days, pretty much destroyed the morale and mentality of the Victorians. Um, Yeah, accountability needs to occur. Although he's, um, they've, they've actually asked for his phone records and, um, his phone because of the uh, that case where he knocked over a cyclist and said his wife was driving. Yeah, surely, surely they can get him on something. But we've got a couple of other uh, comments in the Rumble chat. Uh, Liz in Oz says that is infuriating. These companies demanding damages, which uh, it is infuriating because it, I mean the amount of money that Moderna and Pfizer have made from these uh, these injections, and then they want to go after some people that are trying to get some accountability. That's right. Well, they want costs. I don't think they ask for damages. They ask for costs, but it is infuriating anyway. Um, The fact that they're not even being held accountable for the fact that they didn't even clean their actual vaccines, or if you can call them that, properly with the assay that was supposed to get rid of the DNA in the first place, and you've got an inclusion of DNA which far surpasses what's acceptable uh, is criminal in itself, and the fact that Kevin McKernan found it purely accidentally is just a, a miracle. I've got some other comments. These are these are a little bit technical. I don't know if you'll be able to answer these, but you've been pretty good so far. So I guess the audience is thinking that <laughs> you can. Would Natalie be able to speak on Edward L. Benet's influence nice. on fluoride being introduced into the water systems in the UK? and the US and perhaps other areas around the world. And just to I add, have... he was the nephew of Sigmund Freud. Um, Edward was the nephew of Sigmund Freud. So he's the, he's the one that introduced it. Look, I, I don't know enough about it to even comment, but, the, I mean, the whole point of the fluoride introduction into the water was to get rid of the byproduct through industry because they had a real issue where the industry byproduct was fluoride um, and they needed to get rid of it. And that's how they decided to do it, to make it beneficial, you know, and make money out of it. So they didn't just get rid of it. They made money on it. it it's quite astounding. Well, not really. Mm. It's just been going on for a lot longer than we thought. <laughs> Got another question here from uh, a good friend, Paul. He says, "Have you heard anything from Embalmers about the Paul? You, you're killing Amyloid. me. Amyloids. 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 Amyloid Amyloid <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, the fibrous blood clots. Yes. 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 So what the amyloid clots are, are the uh, clots that are being pulled out of dead bodies, which are, um, you know, very, very long and are actually, they're saying that parts of them are being produced 
post-mortem. That's a, a latest study. So, yeah, it's happening. Um, it's apparently happening a little bit less than it was before. They did do, uh, I think, a, an, an analysis. If you look at John Campbell's videos about that, he talks about that a lot and he's interviewed all the embalmers and there's an actual statistical video which he did about three weeks ago about exactly that. And it talks about when was the biggest, um, when they saw the most amount of those clots being pulled out of dead bodies. So, yes, it, it's happening. It's absolutely happening. And unfortunately, things like uh, blood thinners do not uh, dilute those. Um, it, it's, it's a bit scary, actually. The other thing that's happening is those, um, misfolded proteins in the brain, um, amyloid-like proteins, which is why we're seeing quite a lot of dementia, um, Alzheimer's, um, even, you know, there was a, a lot of people that are hinting that there's prion disease on the, on the rise, which if anyone doesn't know what prion disease is, it's mad cow in people. Um, yeah, it's, it's scary. That's why we um, need accountability. That's why that. we need a royal commission. That's why we need these uh, inquiries to work this stuff out. Because if this is a massive problem, we need to be on the ball. They, you know, we had Operation Warp Speed to get these vaccines to come in, but there's no Operation Warp Speed to work out what's going wrong. Well, that's that's exactly right. And you, you it's it's scary because you're hearing, I don't know if you guys are hearing it, you hear a lot of um, stage three, stage four cancers, people just burning out within months. Um, it's just incredibly sad to watch it, particularly when um, a lot of the unvaccinated did warn their families, they warned their friends, and it's quite heartbreaking to watch it unfold. Yeah. And um, just, just through um, anecdotal like evidence as well, was that the more people I speak to now, they're starting to actually admit that they've been vaccine injured. So just on your point or topic before where we're talking about, you know, justice, I don't believe anyone's going to be held accountable for this because governments will get voted out, governments get voted in and all that kind of stuff. I don't ever believe that they're going to, you know, unless something really, really big happens, I don't think they're going to chase down the um, the pharmaceutical industry too hard about this because everyone was involved in it from the top levels down. Um, but I do think that the people will eventually wake up to what happened because we don't know to the extent of who's been injured or not because that pe some people might have had the jab and woken up and had a swollen foot uh, or something, you know what I mean? It might not be life-threatening or it might be li li life-ending, but it might make their life just that little bit uncomfortable. And one day they'll make the um the connection and say, hey, wait a second, that happened right after the third shot or second shot, and I believe that this was it. And then that's where, you, that's where you're going to see that shift from just the few like us where we'll get the masses coming across. And then government will just shift to what people need anyway or want um, So they because it's always about vote chasing, not about what's right or wrong and such. And then, um, you know, and that's – but um, I, I don't think there's going to be much accountability, but I think the people will come to their senses. I think you you might be right, but the, the other thing that is occurring is the childhood vaccine schedule. So that's on the rise, but people are doing it less and less. So what they're finding is because of the fact that they put the mandates in for COVID, we're now seeing parents vaccinating their children a lot less than they used to. So it's gone the complete opposite direction to where they wanted it to go. So, you know, people are not that stupid. We do have um, a lot more people to wake up to what is actually going on, but um Maybe not accountability, but at least people are starting to take the products less and less. Yeah. 
Uh, Katie's still on your case, Natalie. She's <laughs> got another question. Is Natalie aware of any studies that demonstrate the detrimental effects of fluoride taken in while bathing and showering? No idea. I don't know of any studies that um, talk in, about anything like that, but I'm assuming your skin is an absorbent, you know, organ. It's the biggest organ in your body, so I'm assuming that you will absorb a portion of it. I don't think you'll be absorbing a lot. I think ingesting it is a lot worse um, than absorption through the outside. So I wouldn't worry too much about the skin, although to be perfectly honest, like I said, a water filtration system for the whole house is probably the best thing to be doing. You can you can get um, a fluoride filtering shower heads as well. Yeah, that come too. From America, but yeah, if you are concerned about that sort of stuff, I would say the best person to listen to about that is a little independent media guy. He's based in Austin, Texas, so he's got this very small show that a lot of people might not have heard of. It's called InfoWars and Alex Jones, if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go, go listen to him because he's on this stuff about all the time. So. <laughs> He's great. Now, <laughs> That's now, good. Um, now, Natalie, uh, I've I've found this clip of you on the on the out. I don't know if it's the outside. It's actually credited on Sky News, but it was it was Rowan oh, Dean yes. doing it. It was Rowan Dean. Yes. Yeah, this this was um, during the 2022 federal election that we've been speaking about, and you were uh, you were on there, and you, were, you you did a very good job speaking. But I could tell that you've come a long way since then. Even even though you were very good at this point, you have improved a lot. Just like Adam and I have as well. Like Adam and I, I mean, I especially still bumble over my words, but I certainly speak a lot better than than I did in the past. Now this may be a federal election year. If it's not, then it will be early twenty twenty five. Are you considering running again? <laughs> Potentially. I just don't know about running in Wentworth. It's, um, I mean, if you were out there in Wentworth with the no, yes campaigns, it's quite disturbing as the type of comments that you hear out on the, on the road. It is a very, very woke area, I have to say, which is why they voted in Allegra Spender. Um, yes, I am considering it. In what capacity, I don't know. Um, I'm still sort of watching and observing because I still thought UAP would be around, but it's not. So let's just see. Let's just see what what happens. If Clive, yes, Palmer, in, in, if Clive Palmer was to pop up and say, "Okay, well, I'm going, I'm still going to run. It just won't be UAP. It'll be something else." And I, I mean, he's already had the the Plymer Party and the well, Plymer United or whatever it was called. And then it morphed into. Uh, the UAP now it could morph into something else. Would you consider following Clive again? No, because I've got to say my loyalties have always been with Craig um, and I adore John Ruddick. So I've got two choices, two amazing mentors right there who are incredible human beings. So no <laughs> would be the answer to that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know where where I belong just yet. We've got a, uh, a caller that's just popped up. Uh, I don't know the name. It just says hi, but we might just see what this one's about. Hello? You're on mute. All right. Well, I don't know what that was. <laughs> live. What is, what is, what's this? We're live podcasting, so we're not sure what goes on there. Live no, and dangerous, no. but if uh, if you do want to call in, the link is in the chat. If you want, to, we're, we're getting towards the end now, so you better jump in quick. 
But uh, speaking of the federal election, what do you think are the main issues uh, upcoming oh, for this gosh. federal election? Uh, cost of living is probably the biggest uh, the biggest issue. I mean, when you've got I follow Albanese on um, Instagram just to see what he's talking about because I find it a lot of fun. So when he first came in, the amount of comments that were praising and singing his praises were just phenomenal, and half the comments were talking about his dog Toto, which I wanted to just you know vomit over. Um, now he's being paid out left, right, and centre. I mean, he he's praising himself and patting himself on the back with all the tax cuts. But when the tax cuts are lower than the increase in cost of living and inflation, what's the point of praising yourself on the back with that? People can't afford electricity, petrol, food. It's insane. And they're angry. I mean, some of the people are talking about the Palestinian crisis, which I think we need to get back to what's going on in our own home turf. Yeah. And Australia First Party, Australia First Policies primarily can't fix you can't you can't fix the world with a broken leg and we need to fix Australia first. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are Australians and we are having problems on our own home soil and we have to think about the, our homelessness issue because that's growing. I mean, I walked past Bondi Junction. We never used to have so many homeless people and now there's a lot of homeless people. Uh, it, it's just really, really sad to see. We have a housing crisis and he's bringing in migrants from, from all over the world when he can't even provide housing for the existing Australian people. Yeah. Just crazy. Yeah. yeah, there's no foresight, there's no planning. Uh, but speaking of foresight, as, apart from politics and as, apart from speaking with the ASF, have you got anything else that you're working towards? Uh, a few different websites, a few different businesses. Yeah, we're we're always busy. I'm always busy. I'm always doing something. I don't think I can sit still for more, longer than five minutes. So <laughs> there's always something going on. <laughs> well, we do have a very important part of the, the show right now. It's the final segment. It's called Build Your Own Fantasy Government. Now, we didn't get the chance to ask you this last time you were on, but we'll get you get, get your thoughts now. Now, the idea is that you, Natalie, are in charge of the next Parliament of Australia and you can choose five or six people, current politicians, former politicians, experts in a certain field, can be anyone at all, living or dead, whoever you choose, to head up the next government of Australia, five or six people. Natalie, who do you choose? Do they have to be Australian? No, uh, no, they can be any. And people have cho- picked all mm. sorts of people: Trump and Ronald uh, Reagan, Malay. Yeah, Ronald. No, Reagan. I don't know about no, Ronald Reagan. I, th- I think Trump would be a good pick, but I also like Vivek. I thought yeah. he was quite. Yeah, I really think that yeah. that man has a head on his shoulders. He's a bit green, but I think I'd pick him over Trump. Believe it or not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I really, really like him. Um, we, we do, we do. Don't get me wrong, I love Trump. I do, I do. But the warp speaks what gets me a little bit. Um, but I, I do believe he's a germaphobe and hence that came out from, from that particular thing and his hands were tied. So maybe we do Vivek and Trump and then we get some of the uh, fighters like Malcolm Roberts. Love Malcolm. Yeah. I would put Craig Kelly in there. Yeah. Um. Who else would I put? I've got two left, don't I? Do you know what? John Ruddick, because I do believe in small government. I think that we have way too much government, too many institutions. So let's just cut like, you know, Malay or maybe even in Malay. Yeah, Yeah, shot, gone. Yeah, Uh, yeah. and Malay. There you go. Yeah. Got a comment. I agree. I think that's a great, that's a great liner, what you've chosen. Yep. Let's just bring this country um, back. 
Yeah, from Sasha on the, on the Rumble. She said, what about One Nation with Craig Kelly? Sasha, we talked about that in the beginning. So if you want to go back uh, you, to listen to the, to the beginning of the show, you can uh, just catch it on Rumble. Uh, it'll be on YouTube and Spotify as well, but Rumble is probably the best place. In the, in the next hour or so, it should uh, upload so you can watch it. Watch the beginning of the episode there where we talked all about that with Craig Kelly's move to One Nation. But, Natalie, thank you very much for coming on tonight. We really uh, enjoyed this one. You, you've, uh, you've, you're such a wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to the COVID issues and, uh, and, and the vaccines. I mean, you've taught me a lot this week that I didn't even know of. I mean, I was unvaccinated, so I don't really need to know too much of the technicals, but it is interesting. <laughs> So. No, well, look, this is what happens when you're bored. Um, well, not bored, but when you're actually really frustrated when you're working five days a week and you know something's going on that's not really kosher. So you read and read and read like three hours till one in the morning and, and yeah, your brain just goes trying to explode. And then you surround yourself with friends who are so scientifically knowledgeable that you just learn. It, it's been brilliant. You met amazing people like you guys. Oh, yes. Thank you. Like, yeah. Just like you as well. <laughs> <laughs> No, that Thanks is, for having me on. That is the silver lining of the COVID period. It's brought so much of us together and so, so many great groups. And I do encourage everyone to head to Natalie's event. I think you've got come, one coming up on the 6th of March at the, at the Golden Wednesday. Sheep. Wednesday. Is that right? Yep, with a great lineup of speakers. We've actually got John Raddick and Craig Kelly going to speak, and we've got Melissa McCann via Zoom. Hopefully wow. it'll work. But yes, so we've got a great lineup. If anyone's interested, come on down. And I was blown away the first one when I went to. I'm like, wow, this is amazing how you get so many great people at the event and uh, you, you've you been able to sustain, sustain it for such a long time. It's really amazing what you've been able to achieve there. It's It's been great. Like uh, they've kept me sane too. So it works both ways, really and truly. It works, really works both ways. <laughs> it's a pity that I work night shifts because I can't make it all the time. But, uh, yeah, I do encourage anyone that hasn't been along before, check it out. Now, Adam... Uh, can you tell us a little bit about next week? You've got something really hot lined up for us. Well, next week, um, I'm still waiting on the confirmation on the email, but we've got um, possibly having Jody Lowe and Dr. Bright Hope on. So that's going to be pretty interesting. So um, I'm I'm 99.9% sure that's going to happen. So I'm just waiting for, I just have to um, confirm the dates and we'll see what happens there. So I'm looking forward to that one. And um, it means, you know, a bit of research and we're going to have to, um, you know, we'll ask some good questions and see what they're about because um, I know Jody Lowe has been uh, pretty busy and he's been active in the in the movement um, and it's really good. He was, uh, in case you don't know who Jody Lowe is, he's the one who um, brings up the white hats and the black hats and goes, I don't want any hat leading me. So um, he just puts it into perspective pretty good. And then we've got Dr. Bright Hope as well. So um, fingers crossed, guys. I'm w- working hard on it. <laughs> Brilliant people. Yeah. Yes. So we'll, we'll, you know, we always try and work hard. Uh, we've got, uh, we're hopefully trying to get Craig Kelly on as well. That that could happen soon. So uh, stick with us, guys, and uh, hope you enjoyed tonight. Again, head to Buy Me a Coffee if you uh, if you want to support us and uh, follow Natalie on all her social media, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everywhere that she is because she's always posting some really great stuff and, and doing some really important and hard work. And uh, we hope to see you up. Uh, up a candidate somewhere, whether it's Wentworth or somewhere else or maybe on an upper house ticket somewhere because I think uh, you in Parliament would be fantastic. I think yes. uh, that would be... Thanks, guys. Thing. I'd like to be joined by you two as well. 
Well, if, if well imagine how great that would be. We'd bring the place down, honestly, like in a good way. We'd bring it down in a good way, I reckon, especially with those other, <laughs> other guys we were talking about. So that's good. We'd, we'd get we get a big needle and just pop that camera bottle a bubble straight away. <laughs> it needs to be popped. It certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank everyone. you very much for having. For Thanks, on. guys. Take yeah, care. We'll, we'll see you next time. Bye bye.